Father, thank you for the children and grandchildren and kids in our lives, Lord. Father, if we don't have kids of our own that we're able to reach out and touch the lives of other families who do have children, Lord, but most of all, to have a concern for all children. Lord, I realize that as I get older, I get more pessimistic about what's going on in the world. But Father, I'm not so concerned so much for myself because I know that we're closer to the end than the beginning, but I'm thinking of little Charlie and uh, what he has to look forward to. But realize, Lord, from a positive perspective that our children and our grandchildren could be the ones that help to get things the way that they should be, that you want them to be, Father. So we pray for a great moving of your spirit in our country, Lord, and in the world. Father, 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 we don't need to beg you, but to ask you and to do it consistently, Lord. So Father, we bring our country and our world to you. Big request to a big God that there will be a revival, Lord, a great moving of your spirit. Thank you now for this time together as we look forward to celebrating around this table. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. I'm going to read to you a familiar parable. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven, and he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen. Uh, some of us recognize the name, and I was trying to find it in the back of our hymn book, a list of uh, musicians or songwriters. And I, for some reason, couldn't find the right page. But some of us recognize the name of P.P. Bliss. Uh, he wrote a lot of hymns. He was uh, a songwriter for, for, and an associate evangelist for the great D.L. Moody. And early in the years of Moody's career, P.P. Bliss was his favorite songwriter, and the, he took him with him on all his crusades. I was surprised to learn in preparing for today that Bliss died at the young age of 38, but he had written many gospel songs. Some songs that you'll recognize, Hallelujah, What a Savior. He wrote the tune that goes with the words of Horatio Spafford's well-known song, It Is Well With My Soul. He wrote that tune. And then the chorus, Bonnie and I enjoy, Dare to Be a Daniel. 
and Jesus loves even me. And then of all the songs that he wrote without any doubt in my mind, the most famous probably in love, at least for me, one that is sung in most evangelical churches, goes like this. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. Words of grace and beauty, teach me faith and duty. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. You can leave the tip at the door on the way out if you want to do that. So, <laughs> as we were preparing for the service on Thursday, for the service we had yesterday, I sang a short chorus to the family in the living room. And they said, oh, you could sing at the service. And I said, I don't think so. But anyway. So I think, uh, uh, I was thinking about some of the famous words in scripture. Um, words that are important to our understanding. And if we understand them, we have a better or a, a complete grasp of what scripture teaches. Words like justification propitiation, redemption, reconciliation, regeneration, adoption. Big words. But they really uh, encapsulate the meaning of scripture. I'm going to talk about some of those words on and off in these next few months. Um, and this morning I'd like to talk about justification, at least start. Uh, several weeks ago, when we had our work day one Saturday morning, I had a devotional, and I spoke briefly about justification. That word, um, I didn't, you know, I didn't, re I didn't live a bad, bad life. I, um, for some reason, my mother had eyes on the back of her head. And she always seemed to know when I'd done something that I shouldn't do. And I'm talking about smoking a cigar out behind the barn or something like that. But um, these are words that are important for us to understand, and they're difficult words. They're, they're even hard to pronounce, some of them. But I think what's happened, and... I don't mean to be a sourpuss or a doomsday, but um, I think we're biblically illiterate. I think um, most of the sermons today have to do with uh, experience over doctrine. And that concerns me. And I shared with you several years ago that when I was pastoring in northern Illinois, I told our youth pastor, Ken, I said, I want you to start teaching the high schoolers doctrine. He looked at me and he said, Pastor, doctrine is so dull and boring. I said, Pastor Ken, it is your duty to make it alive and understandable. Kids need to have that basis in their life. That's the strong foundation. Uh, I'm guilty also of Sermons like five ways to have a happy marriage. 
or 10 tips on financial success, or uh, three clues on how to be happy. So much of what we preach and teach today has to do with experience. And, and those are, are okay, but we, we need to have a, a strong foundation. I, I often tease because one of the pastors that I worked with for a while, he's, he had Reader's Digest sermons. They were those kinds of happy, healthy kinds of things that made you feel good. Justification. Martin Luther called it, called justification the cornerstone of Christianity. And I shared with you the word justification a few weeks ago, and I said something about, to remember it, it's like, just if I had never sinned. And, and I've heard that, but that, that's a little bit superficial, because what that does, just as if I had never sinned, kind of leaves a vacuum. But justification is more than that. Because justification is not only just as if I'd never sinned, but that God has given Christ's innocence, righteousness, purity to us. He's put that cloak over us so that when God looks down at Jerry this morning, he doesn't see the things that I've done wrong, the things that I've thought about that were not good, or the words that I have spoken that were dishonoring to him. What he sees, people, is he sees Christ's robe of righteousness covering me. I, I, I don't know why. Like I said, I, I was a good boy. Uh, I didn't do a lot of bad things. I broke my mother's heart. There are still things that she's going to ask me about when I get to heaven, I'm sure. But... Um, the cornerstone of Christianity, justification. Not only just as if I'd never sinned, but also Christ's righteousness covers me today. Martin Luther, uh, celebration this year, of course, that um, uh, a monk, you know, the story of Wittenberg, Germany, and he, he sought for many years, even as a learned Bible scholar, to discover peace with God. He couldn't find it. He couldn't find it. He struggled with it. And he was reading through the Bible and searching for peace and so on. And he, he decided to crawl up the stairs of the church in Rome and with tears running down his face saying, Our Father, our Father, our Father, praying to God for God to make himself real to him, kissing each stair while he was climbing to the top of those stairs. Suddenly... A text of scripture bursts on his mind, the just shall live by faith. In that great and glorious moment, Luther understood that it was not by crawling, it was not by kissing steps, by going to church, or by any human effort, but it was only through faith in Jesus Christ that a person is made right with God. <laughs> I could say the next phrase and say, amen, have a nice week. The moment you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are declared justified. Well, let's just spend a little bit of time def defining it. 
I'm going to talk about some of the other words, too. I, I've been studying several of them. The word propitiation, one of them. We talk about, uh, today in, in, in our modern society, we talk about people trying to justify themselves when they've done something wrong. They try to justify. And so they give excuses for what, what we have done wrong. But to justify someone else, you declare them not guilty. And in our relationship to God, we are declared righteous to have a right standing before God. It means to look at somebody who is guilty and declare that they are now not guilty. They are innocent, righteous, and free to go. The record has been wiped away. And if you want a technical definition, give it this way. Justification is the divine miracle whereby God declares us not guilty to each one of us when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. The, the reason I get excited about this and shout it from the housetop is because in, all, in my 50 years of serving as a pastor, I've, uh, I've counseled so many people that struggle, that struggle with feelings of guilt and adequacy, and they just, uh, and no matter how I counsel them and pray for them and try to help them, they just can't somehow realize. It's just not part of our DNA to realize that we can be justified freely by God's grace in Romans 3.24. Justification. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith. Justification is always on the basis of the death of Jesus Christ. That's why it's appropriate for this morning as we celebrate communion. The verse goes, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's on the basis of the Christ's death. It's on the basis of faith. It's wholly separate from any part of human will, apart from anything that we do. He tells us in Scripture that no matter anything good that we do, no matter how good you are, you can't be good enough. Here's the quiz for you. How many, uh, how many sins does it take to separate you from God? One or five or ten or one? One! If you commit one sin and live the rest of your life spotless without another sin, you're still going to hell. One sin. Come on, pastor. Give us a break. So many people struggle. You know, they don't come to church because they don't feel good enough to come to church. Come on, that's what church is about. We're not, a, we're not a country club. We're a hospital for sick people. And I'm sickest of all of you. Not sick of you, but sick like you. I'm going to say this carefully. 
because I really get upset. Chris Watts, the man who cried on TV about missing his pregnant wife and his kids, confesses to their married murder. Not only did he murder his little girls, he put them in a tank of oil. If that man comes to faith in Christ while he's in prison, I've got some other thoughts about what should happen to him, but I don't want to express them to you out loud. But if that man comes to faith in Christ, is he going to be in heaven? Come on. People would say, well, if he's going to heaven, I don't want to be there. I don't even want to think about God letting a man like that into heaven. Not only to kill his children, but his pregnant wife, and then on TV to watch his half-smile as he says he can't find them, he doesn't know. Well, I'll tell you this, folks. Don't argue with me about it, because you probably will win, but if there's no hope for Chris Watts, there's no hope for you and me. You see, justification is not an experience. It's not how you feel. But pastor, there's times that I don't feel forgiven. Well, welcome to the club. There are times I don't feel forgiven either. But my forgiveness and my justification has nothing, 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 nothing to do with how I feel. It's all based upon this and him and what he's done. So I don't care how bad you feel or how unjustified you feel. It's not an experience. It doesn't matter if you feel justified or not because justification happens to the believer at the moment you trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. That very moment. And your salvation is secure, folks. You can't lose it. Nobody can take it away from you. When God looks down from heaven, he doesn't see us and our guilt. He sees the innocence of his son. I, when I was writing this, I came across an illustration that I've used many years, not even used it here, way before uh, B.D.G., before Desert Gardens, a long time ago. And I came across this illustration, and I thought, there it is. I love this. There's a man in England who purchased a Rolls Royce, and he decided to take a holiday and travel across Europe. He wanted to take his Rolls Royce with him, go through the French countryside. So he put the Rolls Royce on a ferry, went across the English Channel, and as he was going through Europe looking at the sights, when suddenly... His Rolls Royce broke down, and there was nobody there that could fix it. He sent a cable back to the company in England, and they flew a man over to him who found him alongside the road to repair his car. He got the car running, and then left to go back to England. The man thought to himself, this is going to cost me a ton of money. But he never got a bill 
when he finally got back to England, never having received a bill, he sent a letter to the company telling what had happened, how the mechanic had come over, and wondering what charge would be. This is the letter he got back from Rolls-Royce. Dear Sir, Thank you so much for your letter. You need to know that we have no record in our files of any Rolls-Royce ever broken down at any place at any time for any reason. <laughs> when I get hard on myself, I think about that. <laughs> There's no record that my child has ever broken down at all. The record is wiped away, and you are credited with the perfect, eternally secured righteousness of Jesus Christ. No wonder this is the central doctrine of the Christian faith. No wonder Martin Luther said this is the cornerstone of Christianity. No wonder this was the flame that set the world on fire. We're benefiting from that today. I think of Martin Luther when he got so upset with the devil, he picked this up as ink while he threw it against the wall, making a terrible stain. No wonder Martin Luther said this was the cornerstone. No wonder this was the flame that went around the world, because it is at the heart, folks, of what we believe. It doesn't make sense. There's no logical sense to it. But it happens. Father, as we come to this table today, Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, thank you that Jerry, 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 when I came to you and asked your son to be my savior and experience your forgiveness, you stamped on my record justified. Thank you for that, Father. I, I need to be reminded of that over and over again. Sometimes we can be so hard on ourselves. Thank you for this morning. Prepare our hearts now for this table. What a celebration this is. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.